1: Welcome into another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. I'm Matthew Collar. He is Judd Zolgad, and a lot to talk about with the Minnesota Wild today, their goaltender, and whether he is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. I want to ask Judd about the four great teams in the Metropolitan. Let's start, though. Can you believe that it's named the Metropolitan Division? I have never gotten used to that.
0: No, no, and it's weird. So we've got the Atlantic. Okay, Uh makes sense, right? Central, I get that. Pacific, yeah, sure. Metropolitan, where did it come from? Yeah, Metropolitan Columbus
1: is where they got the idea, actually.
0: Okay. must be. Sort of a very Gary Bettman type of thing.
1: Well, many things in the Gary Bettman era are pretty puzzling. But I (laughs) want to start out with you, Judd, though, with uh, Jonas Brodeen and his injury. He's out of the lineup. And I think it's been noticeable that the wild defense hasn't quite been as tight as they were. Uh, over the first couple of months of the season, in these last couple of games, clearly taking him out of the lineup uh, was, you know, it's not good for the team. He gets hurt and they don't have an immediate replacement that is on his level. Right. But I, when he went down, though, I thought what we would see is a little bit of a preview sneak preview. If they trade a defenseman off of this team, what's it going to look like? Could they afford to do it? Because if Brodeen went down and then Mike Riley came up and played great, or however they decided to replace him, it was fine. There were no issues. Then you would say, you know what? Trade deadline comes around. It might be time to acquire another scorer and fill out that offense even a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you where I stand right now is I think they need top to bottom it to stay the way that it's been through the first half plus of the year.
0: Yes, there has been. Now, Riley does have some offensive skill, but defensively there is no way on God's green earth collar that I'm going into the playoffs and relying on him to be responsible enough and good enough to play um in his own zone so Brodeen is an underrated the thing with Brodeen is he's not flashy so if he's out there you sort of see him but for the most part you you just say okay you know he's he's a nice player he's way more than that he is an incredibly consistent player uh everything that I have seen though since he's gone out leads me down the path of I am not trading anybody I am not taking even Dumba, I'm who is who can be shaky, but I am not taking any of my top six and, and trading them. It would be nice to add a forward on that fourth line, but that being said, I can't in good conscience take this team into the playoffs and have Mike Riley on the blue line because I'm pretty sure it would cost you big. So no way I'm doing it. The sneak peek has led me down the path of no trades at least of defensemen i need the depth and when brodeen gets back i'm going back to the top 6 and i and as long as guys stay healthy i am going to leave it that way
1: yeah i came into this year feeling like brodeen was a weak link like he was kind of a first round bust maybe somebody that wasn't living up to his potential prominent in trade talk all last season and and for good reason i mean last year his Numbers, if we dig into the numbers, he was one of their worst defensemen. I think eye test wise, too. He was not providing a whole lot. Um, But this year, and I guess it shouldn't be a huge surprise that Bruce Boudreaux has gotten a lot more out of him. And it seems like he's fit into his role. The only question that I would have is, can you replace the role that you just described and also add a forward if you were talking about trade talks? Because you don't have to limit yourself to just one move. Like, would you be able to replace everything that Brodeen brings? Could you get another guy who is a good skater, who is a solid defenseman, who doesn't make a lot of mistakes? I don't know if I have a a name by comparison. In like a trade,
0: you're saying? Yeah, in a
1: trade. I mean, if you were thinking about moving one of the defensemen, like, let's just, I mean, go one by one for the defensemen that could be traded. And could you replace them while adding a forward? Like, how could you replace? Scandella, Dumba. Yeah. Rodine no now.
0: But, he, but even throw his name in there, too. How hard is any one of them to replace? I think Rodine would be very tough. I, I think he, he's become, uh, gone back to being an incredibly consistent player. Uh, Dumba is the one guy, because I think you could actually upgrade the defense there, but if I'm going to do that cap-wise, that becomes very tough. Yeah. Right? Because if I'm going to trade Dumba, and then I'm going to get a defenseman to replace him and, and also try and get a fourth-line winger center... I think cap-wise, it'd be next to impossible. Yeah, it would be Yeah, it would be tough. But even if you took
1: that off of the table and just said what you have there is a player in Jonas Brodine and Matt Dumba and Marco Scandella, and can you get that somewhere else in a move from one of the teams that has fallen to the bottom and is trying to move? Because if you're thinking about this year as – We're trying to win the Stanley Cup. You're the best team in the West, and that's the mindset that you have to have, especially with the way contracts are. There's only so much more Ryan Suter greatness of of his career at 32 years old that he's going to have. I might say that Brodeen's production, what he brings offensively and defensively, is replaceable on the trade market, and what you might be able to bring in for a forward would be worth more than he is as a defenseman in terms of your goals and wins. Does does that make sense it makes where I'm sen-
0: going? It makes sense, but I don't know that... It makes sense, but given your cap and, and the players out there, I don't know that a team would be willing to give you enough in return to justify that trade. If you could make that trade, if it wasn't a cap league, it's different. But do you think that you could take Brodeen to market with the value that, that if you're Chuck Fletcher, you put on him... And could get back in return two guys that, A, are good enough to fit those roles, and B, are have, have kept a f- friendly contracts. Because that would be my thing is I think cap-wise it would be damn near possible.
1: Well, one of the things that I think about this conversation is that teams uh, often undervalue or overvalue defensemen much worse than they do forwards right so if if you looked at what they actually produce what they're actually worth in terms of goals saved by their great defense or goals produced by their offense versus what the general managers think it is Mm -hmm. it's usually quite inflated for defensemen as opposed to forwards where it's a little more straightforward you can say yeah when when this guy's on the ice, everybody's getting better. When Sidney Crosby is on the ice, everyone's getting better. We can see that on paper. Sure. I think they make mistakes with defensemen, and for years we saw guys like Hale Gill get a ton of playing time, you know, guys who couldn't skate but were gigantic. Hale Gill, there's a throwback. Right, yeah, but I mean, like, that that type of defenseman is still Brooks Orpik. Yep. The players like that are often overvalued. I'm thinking of Pittsburgh last year, how they brought in Justin Schultz, Right, And Justin Schultz's team had given up on him. Who and, the Wild
0: liked a right, lot at one time.
1: They gave him away. Edmonton gave him away for a song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was basically free for Pittsburgh to get him. And he ends up playing a role on the Stanley Cup team and now is one of the leaders among defensemen in points because basically the team situation made a big difference and the coach made a big difference and they totally undervalued him as a player in Edmonton and i wonder about over if another team were to overvalue brodeen for all the attributes that you're talking about and what they're actually worth in terms of goals to give you back a forward that would be worth more that's
0: my case for it yeah now okay so throw out a potential name or two hmm. throw out a potential name or two where and and by the way when it comes to brodeen i can't see fletcher doing it i can't see that but is there a name or two out there of uh, potential available forwards that you would make that trade for well you know it's funny Who might I, be i know, did have a great a name trade. but
1: then his team all of a sudden got competitive which was uh james van Reems that oh idea. toronto yeah yeah and, and then but now they're good yeah now they're good so that i would have to I guess I'd have to investigate a little bit more of who might be on the trade. And block. then, but and if we then the contract, about, too. That's but, the other part of this fact. If we even think about the number of teams that will know that they're out of it. I mean, the Islanders are going to yeah. be out of it. Uh, Tampa Bay is at the bottom, but Detroit might be selling this year. You, you've got a number of teams that are going to be moving some some players that might be willing to give away a halfway decent forward if they're you know, coming up. I think the starting
0: agent. point, defense wise, uh, the starting and end point for for the Wild would be probably Scandella or Dumba. I think they'd be, but once again, I come back to the fact that unless you get a defenseman back there, I can't see any scenario under which I'm comfortable with going down uh, to the AHL again and going into the playoffs with a, a fifth or sixth defenseman mm-hmm. who defensively I simply don't trust.
1: Yeah. Especially
0: no. especially because Boudreaux. Now, the interesting thing about this is Boudreaux has attempted to sell us now, uh, Collar, for quite a while on the fact that this team will begin and end with defense, right? But it's funny because w- when you see this team play, they're for the most part n- never out of games because of what? Offense. So it's like... Do I buy in? Do I buy into the identity that Boudreau is selling his players and us on, or is it much more of a mix in reality? Because if you close your eyes and hear what Boudreau says about this team, he always talks about it. We got to be good defensively. I prefer to give up two goals per game. We can't give up four goals per game. Blah 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 blah. But then you see the scores more and more, right? Mm-hmm. And they're down. Let's say they're down four two. They win five four. So. I can't figure out if Boudreaux's trying to sell a mentality and he sort of believes it but not fully because I I don't think the Wilds' identity is nearly as cut and dry as they want you to believe, which is the be-all and end-all for them is defense because that's not them on a consistent basis. It is sometimes, but not consistently.
1: Well, I think of that too, and that might go into the argument for moving Brodeen. Now, if you're going to do it, you can't do it for a rental forward. That's what makes it harder to figure out names. So I guess you wouldn't be moving for Van Riemsdyk, who's a free agent, or, or somebody like that. You'd it would have need to, to be do it. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to do it. Well, at one time, the name that was out there was Max Pacioretty because yeah. Montreal loves to trade great players. Uh, but <laughs> at, at this point now, they're in first place. It's pretty tough to see. But if you were talking about a player with a reasonable cap hit who's very good, We saw with the Taylor Hall trade that forwards seem to not be worth as much as a good defenseman on the market, or at least in that case. That trade still blows me away. It really does. Uh, But, okay, so even put that aside, Brodeen is a solid defensive defenseman whose production has gone up this year and has been nice to see a little bit. Uh, But he does not profile as this offensive dynamo. I think that this team's identity is mobility from the back end and transition scoring and speed. I I don't look at them as a lockdown defensive team. I don't look at them like the Kings were when they won the Stanley Cup. Is like, sorry, you're not scoring against this team tonight. It's much more. and, And here's where evidence of it. When people watch the wild, look for this all the time is that they have such good passing defensemen that they'll get the puck back and they'll pass the puck and the, camera will have to move to find the guy they're passing to because one of the forwards has escaped the zone and gone to the other blue line on a to to break out like they're looking for those transition goals they're having guys just break the zone and fly up the ice the goal the other night from uh zucker was yep. that way
0: because he's incredibly fast too
1: exactly so that to that's me exa- yeah that's the I'm identity of the this. team
0: and and th- the thing too is is as uh, defensively responsible as they are told to be the defensemen are always pinching now; they're always dropping down, and so I just think it's an it's an interesting thing because I know in theory, Boudreaux's trying, Boudreaux's thinking to himself, "I don't have Ovechkin here, right? So I don't have a guy that that can score fifty goals. So, so subsequently, we need to to help our goaltender and play sound defense." But what he does have is he's got a bunch of guys who can score goals, especially that that young core. He's got a bunch of guys that can score and, as you just said, are incredibly fast. Um, I also think it's going to be – the deadline's going to be very intriguing based on this too. Fletcher's going to go to Boudreau and say, okay, let's sit down and talk. And is going to have a huge say. And I wonder if you're a coach of a team – it's your first year, and you've established things and sort of uh, solidified them, Collar, if you want to make changes. Because it would be nice to get a forward, but the issue goes back to me to to chemistry, right? I mean, hockey is a good hockey coach pulls the strings. I mean, it, it's certainly about systems, and I get that. But more than most sports to me, it's also about establishing a chemistry, and they've done a good job. It took a while. So does Boudreaux now now want to bring in another potentially high-profile player or player to disrupt that? In hockey, I think it can get dicey. And I'm not saying that if it's a player that Boudreaux knows it wouldn't work, but but what I am saying is I don't think you can simply dismiss it and say because this guy, his name is familiar, you're going to trade for him. So my sense is Boudreaux would be hesitant to tell Fletcher to pull the trigger on a trade based on what he's been able to do In the past few months, which is take a team which I really think early on frustrated him and perplexed him at times and get stability there.
1: Yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, he's brilliantly adapted to to what he's seen with his team. And I think it happened even faster than a lot of us thought it was going to happen. Right. With how quickly uh, he adjusted to the roster that he had.
0: I thought it would take a while. Yeah, me too. I thought it would. And no, he's done a great job of that. I
1: was thinking about months and months. From Boudreaux's perspective, if Chuck Fletcher comes to you and says, we want to trade one of your defensemen, I think if you're Boudreaux, you go, are you sure that you want to? I mean, are you really? You got to have a really good deal in place if you're going to do it because this fits the way that I want to play. Right. And even if you look at how they played in Anaheim sometimes, last year I think was a different scheme than he's using here in Minnesota, but at times, with some puck-moving defensemen and guys who could fly up the ice, Sammy Vatten and Hampus Lindholm, players like that, you saw them play the transition game, especially when they had some faster forwards uh, before Corey Perry and Ryan Getzleff lost a step. I think they're a little on the slower side now, but... I mean, if, you, if, if you're Boudreaux, you're saying, well, this is kind of working exactly how my plan is supposed to go. Exactly. And a lot of it starts back there. Yes. A lot of it starts with having every guy be able to move the puck, create, and even jump up and score, which we've seen
0: quite a bit of this year. And how many of those guys scare you defensively? Dumba scares me. Uh, Brodeen does not. Suter does not. Scandella does not. Spurgeon does not No, Spurgeon but I'm, is surprisingly I'm all, good for the size of defense for the most part. All of those guys have the ability to play in transition. They, they have the ability to to give you some offense, but I don't think you perceive them as potential dumpster fires on defense. The only guy that comes off uh, to top of mind for me is Dumba does scare me because there's still plays that he makes in, in his own zone that I have no clue what he's doing. He made a play on Sunday night against Nashville where I tweeted out, What the hell is he thinking? So he's the one he's the one guy on defense that perplexes me. I think there's there's way more there eventually. Uh but besides that, I think to your point, Boudreaux's got those guys essentially playing how he wants, which is they're very competent to good offensively, they're good in transition, but they're not going to screw up defensively couple of names if you want them. So I was
1: thinking about guys who would be on RFA contracts that their teams might think they can't afford mm-hmm. because of their cap situations that would like somebody with a very favorable cap hit like Brodine. Uh One name that comes up, uh, I guess, though, all the two guys from Tampa Bay, Andre Pallad and Tyler Johnson, both RFAs. Or at least they're listed as RFAs. Did they sign new deals? No, I think they, they signed bridge deals. Um, but I'm just looking at the RFA list. Tyler Toffoli, Thomas Tatar. There are some guys out there who are offensively gifted who would add a lot and maybe even more. Yeah, okay, they signed RFA deals before, but uh, they're coming up so this they're, year.
0: They're not. they're not on bridge deals, though. Er- They'll be... RFA's a soft season is what yes, you're saying. Yes, they will be our. Okay, they are, they are currently so they're not signed like two year contracts. Yes, okay. like
1: Andre Pallad is currently on a bridge deal that takes him through this year with a three point three million dollar cap hit. Gotcha, and so that'll be done after this year, and he'll still be in RFA. All right, and they'll have to make a decision there. So I'm I'm using if I'm getting this wrong, I'm sorry because I'm using CapFriendly.com, which is a pretty solid website. Also, in Tyler Johnson, the same thing. Tyler Johnson would be that extra center that we talked about who is a really dynamic player, but uh, Tampa Bay is really in trouble with their salary cap because of Steven Stamkos and some other moves that they've made. Yeah, they're up against Ryan a big and stuff like that. Yes, they are. So uh, if you were betting, though, and we'll, I'm sure, approach this a lot more as the trade deadline comes, but this is our real trial period to see what it's like to not have Brodeen back there. Uh-huh. Do you think that they stick with it, or do you think that there is a change made and one of those defensemen is moved? And keep in mind that I heard this from one person I talked to on the hockey side quite a bit, that teams right now are starting to get their meetings together, or at least the team that this scout comes from, um, to talk about what they're going to do with the expansion draft in Las Vegas.
0: Mm -hmm. And that would definitely involve the Minnesota Wild too. Well, you have convinced me uh, when when it comes to that subject that this team probably is not going to make moves based on that because – if they if they perceive themselves to be a cup team, which I think they should, then it, then every decision has to be made about that. It's the playoffs. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I would not be surprised to see the Wild try and spin a minor deal to get a forward that they sort of like, not a big name. I would also guess that they that having got this uh, sneak peek, they will not make a trade of a defenseman because their options are just not good enough. There is, just, there is no way in good conscience, in my mind, that I'm going to go get a, a fourth-line or third-line player and open the playoffs with, uh, with an inexperienced defenseman because of that. So my guess would be no. That speaking, would be mine. Speaking of the playoffs, I wrote an article about
1: Devin Dubnik and whether he is good enough between the pipes to be a Stanley Cup caliber goalie. Yes or no? What do you think? Is he good enough to be a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender? From what we've seen, no.
0: I mean, he has he has uh, struggled, certainly, or, or not been great. Two years ago, when, when they got him in January, he single-handedly took them from also-ran to the playoffs and then played okay, not great. My thing about goaltending in the playoffs is this. It's unfair to expect the goaltender to uh, to win games constantly, but there's probably one or two games per series where you're going to ha- have to make unbelievable saves. Uh, until I see that on a consistent basis at that time of year, my feeling is no. He's been, for, for the most part, he's been great. Uh, but based on what I've seen in two playoff runs by him, I'm yet to see a guy who can take uh, his standout play at times and translate that. So until I see that on a consistent basis, I'm saying no. You? I definitely say yes, based on the big
1: sample now that we have in Minnesota as the wild goaltender since he got here. Basically, his career is split into two halves. He had some good days in Edmonton, one of the few goalies to have good days in Edmonton over the last decade, and then had some struggles was really uh, down in the dumps for a year or two and then showed up here and has played exceptionally. In fact, statistically, he is the second most valuable goaltender in terms of how much his play is worth to standings points. In the NHL over the last three years, Braden Holtby is the only one who's higher. Um, just because of the sheer number of games that these guys play, plus what their performance is, his save percentage over the last three years is only second to Carey Price. I mean, we are talking about one of the elite goaltenders in the league over the last three years. During the and, season, you're right. But the
0: thing with the playoffs is we just don't have a big enough sample. That's to what say. I'm saying. I can't sit here. I cannot sit here right now and say yes. But I would see. The, I
1: would lean much more toward the regular season, pointing us that he is one of the best goalies in the league, and that will eventually come to fruition. But we see goalies, great goalies, have down times all over the place henrik lundquist was just really down in january and then had a great game last night yep and and i'm sure that lundquist will be back and will be fine and uh for my article i looked at jonathan quick in his first i think 12 starts or two or three playoff series he was only average and then had one of the greatest playoffs of all time where he had a 946 save percentage and basically won the stanley cup it's joe flacco yeah just takes off yeah and and we've seen but the opposite of joe flacco is all the great quarterbacks who are called chokers and this guy can't win in the playoffs the the peyton manning for a long time he can't win in the playoffs he chokes in big games and then he wins a super bowl and it's like oh okay well on to the next thing i would always bet toward the bigger sample but in my research for the article what i found and it's interesting is a lot of the, the goalies who won the stanley cup there is a mix-mash between the elite goalies, the mediocre, the nobodies, mm-hmm. the the anti-Niemis who come from Finland and weren't even an NHL player before that.
0: But their teams are great in front of them.
1: Yes, and that was going to be my other point is I don't think Devin Dubnik has had a team in front of him that is like this, that is this good at keeping away shots from the, from the front of the net, Uh, They're second best in the NHL right now. The only team that's better, actually, is Nashville, who has an amazing defense. But they're the second best team in the NHL right now in terms of shots allowed in the close areas, the ones that are the toughest for the goalies to stop. And I think if they continue to play that way and play this good defensively, then, uh, yeah, I think he's got a a great chance to go deep in the playoffs, at least based on his past play.
0: I want to see a playoff series where, where... The Wild wins it, and I say Dumnik won at least one game. Yeah, That's what I want. As far as since he got here, um, his first year here, and, and for the most part of this year, he has been fantastic. MVP at times. But I need to see that because to me there is, there is a mentality in the playoffs and things change, and you do need a goaltender to flat out at times stand on his head. And when you leave the building that night, you say they won because of that goaltender, and I'm yet to see that game from him. Once I see that, I'll adjust my opinion. But if you're asking me right now, sitting here, do I see him as as a guy that can win a Stanley Cup? That's four rounds, high intensity. I don't see it yet. I need to see at least one series where I'm convinced. What's the shortcoming, then? Is it just that for you, it's just that he hasn't done
1: it? Because, I mean, for me, I always look at what indicators point toward future performance, right? So his regular season stats would point toward his playoff
0: performance, I would think. The shortcoming is this. He needs to replicate in the spring what what he did for the first part of this year because he was fantastic. I mean, there was, I I think if you had taken a poll around, I I don't know, Collar, December 5th or so, he was an MVP candidate in this league. He was that good. I need to see that consistent style of play for months in April, May into June. That's it. That's it. It's just this team is much improved. I like a lot of things but I'm also I'm also not going to be completely convinced that their stripes have changed until I see this play translate in spring because it gets it goes up. I mean listen, the Blackhawks right now, they don't care if they win the division one bit. I mean Wild fans are going to sit there, and it's great. They're going to say, we're in first place, or we're doing this, or we beat Chicago, and that that's all great. That's fun. But Chicago Blackhawks sit there, and you're their prey, right? And they wait till April and May. And then Taze takes off, and Kane goes bonkers. So I need to see the Wild have that mentality. And until I do, I'm going to say, I think they're good, but I'm not convinced. And the playoffs is a different conversation. Animal, it's completely different to me. Yeah, I just think it's—I think
1: something in in such a small sample is so hard to really predict. I mean, would you have guessed that Matt Murray, a guy who had been playing in the AHL, is a big prospect? I mean, he's very, very talented, but would you expect him to? lead a team to the Stanley Cup. Or, I oh, mean, heck no, no. Right, or even really at a time Ben Bishop was looked at as just okay and a middle-of-the-road goalie. Now he's since elevated. Well, this year he's having a tough year. I was going to say he's struggled now this yes. season. But last year he had a great, great, great year. But, I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup with Bishop, and I think
0: most people looked at him like,
1: man, he's just okay. But,
0: the hey, the entire playoff structure for for this team begins with one guy, Boudreaux. Mm-hmm. Uh, until Boudreaux can answer the question of, Can you get past game seven on a consistent basis, right? I mean, that's going to be the the big thing. He's coached for now, I believe, is it nine years and has eight division titles. I mean, it's fantastic. This success, if you look at Boudreaux's past performances with teams, is not surprising. But where we're going to get to the question marks is April. And that's going to be true of Boudreaux, that's going to be true of his players, and that is especially also going to be true of his goaltender. Yeah, and,
1: I, and I look at both of the guys like the bigger sample would point me toward thinking it is very possible. I mean, with Boudreaux, it's like the Bill Cower thing. He's just there all the time, always in the mix with the Steelers, and then it finally happens uh, you know, after years and years of being very good. Now some it never happened for. Marty Schottenheimer is one, just to use stick with the, the football example. So it doesn't guarantee it. It just to me though, it says the capability is there, but it's sports, so sometimes it doesn't happen. And that's the way I would look uh at Devin Dubnik. Last question for you before we uh wrap it up here, which is the Metropolitan Division, the uh Neapolitan Division, um, if you like ice cream
0: has I like ice cream.
1: four teams that you could consider four out of the five best Stanley Cup contenders in the East. It is a great division. Yes and sir. I would like you to to rank them. Okay. And all of them have won at least their last two games in a row. They're all, there's only one team in the Atlantic that has more standings points than these four teams. And that's Montreal. Yep. Washington,
0: Columbus, Pittsburgh, and the New York Rangers. Yes. In order. Can I rank them? Can I? I do this based on my uh, on my perception or or feelings about their potential playoff success. You can do it I'd however prefer, you want I'd, to do it. I prefer to do it based on my like, confidence in the playoffs as much as the uh, well. Let's season. let's put it this way. Let's say I've got a hundred bucks to give you, okay.
1: and you can bet it on these four teams. Okay. And let's just say they all have the same odds. I mean, that wouldn't be true, but let's just say. Let's just all say it's to win or lose, all the same odds. How would you split up your money on these four teams? Pittsburgh, one. So, so you would put the most money? You don't have I to put give the me the most.
0: I'd put the, I'd put the most on Pittsburgh. Okay. Columbus with Bob in net, two. Mm-hmm. I like Torch teams. I I think it'll probably wear itself out in three years, and and his players will be sick of him. But for now, I think it works. Washington, always leery of Washington. Very (laughs) Viking-like. Very Viking. They tease their fans, and then they always stab them right in the damn heart. Washington Capitals, three. Rangers, four. You? Hmm. Well, I can't go against Crosby, and Crosby is still a magnificent player.
1: He's having... It's maybe, maybe one of his best years. I it's mean, ridiculous. I, he's been that good, and you wonder after seeing Dan Bilesma coach in Buffalo. I wonder if Sidney Crosby could have been even better if he had had Mike Sullivan for his
0: entire career. And Mike Yo, if I'm not mistaken, ran uh, Bylsma's power play in Pittsburgh, right? I think Mike Yo oh, was on the bench. I think when Bylsma took over, uh, took over the team on an interim basis, and I think won a cup. Mm-hmm. That Mike Yo was an assistant coach on that staff. Mm. So I go. So I go. Pittsburgh, Columbus, Washington Rangers.
1: I think I would put Washington behind. I also will go Pittsburgh as long as Chris Letang is healthy for the entire playoffs. I think Chris Letang's an elite defenseman and is your. I think you need to have an elite number one center. An elite defenseman and good goaltending, like as your starting point. Sure. And that would be the only place where the wild gets some question marks whether Eric Stahl is still that top notch number one center, but I think the West is down a little bit in that area from where it was at one point. But aside, okay. the thing with Washington that concerns me is the number one defense position. I I mean, they've got good defensemen, but they don't have a Chris Letang. No. I don't look at Carlson, their Carlson. He's much I, I he's he's like a poor man's other Carlson. <laughs> like he's offensively gifted, right? Offensively gifted yep. but defensively questionable. Yep. Brooks Orpik's 100 years old. Matt Niskanen is just pretty good. And it's like in the, Penguin, right? in the regular season, mm-hmm. you can go through and you can beat the tar out of teams if you've got a good power play and you've got great forwards and great goaltending which they have. I think you need a guy to control the game from the back end. Which, which Suter can do. Which, which Suter can do, and which Chris Letang is one of the absolute best of the best sure. at that in Pittsburgh. So I would put Pittsburgh 1. The Columbus, though, the one thing about them is that their defensemen are pretty inexperienced. I mean, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones, not exactly the guys who have been there a lot like Chris Letang. I'm, I might, because of that reason, still put Washington ahead of Columbus. And then the the Rangers are last uh, on this list. I, I think that there's probably a decent-sized gap between the other three teams Agreed. and the Rangers. Agreed. But Columbus, though, man, they play exciting hockey. Seven to six last night as we're
0: recording this. And Torts, torts act in the right conditions works, right? I mean, it doesn't last a, a long time. And I think if it's in a big market, especially one that embraces uh, embraces the sport, he's got some problems because he bristles at the press and things. But I think in Columbus or Tampa, he's perfect for a while because he gets, you know, he's probably got one beat guy, and that's it. And so Brodzki in gold in goal is pretty good, though. Very good. Yeah. I just don't trust the Capitals. I honest to God just don't trust them. At some point in time. You go from having bad luck to your history is just you mm-hmm. fall apart. And so I just don't trust the Capitals. Yeah, I,
1: I can see that. I do think they have the goaltender to do it, too, Brayden Holtby. I think he's no, the No, that's true. Best. He's very good. Um, but I, I feel the same way. and I, And I think if I was pinpointing one thing, it's that defense that becomes a little bit of an issue when you're playing nothing but great teams all the time. That but their forward group just keeps getting deeper. That trade for TJ Oshi, I mean, they are much than the Boudreaux days compared to their, with their offensive depth up up front, the forwards, much better from where it was. Uh, Andre Burakovsky is a nice young player that's come up and provided scoring for them. The Oshi trade is amazing because I mean, Brower doesn't even play in St. Louis anymore, and you've got Oshi being one of your top. Why forwards. the Blues
0: sour on him so much? Uh, I think the Blues looked for a scapegoat there. The Blues are a weird team too. They are poor Mike Yo. Well <laughs> so that that whole idea of okay, you don't know Hitchcock, but what we're gonna do is this we're gonna bring you in as coach in waiting. It makes no sense. It's, like why would you why would you saddle Ken Hitchcock? Basically, you're you're saying you're gone after after this year, and it's not your friend who's going to replace you or a person from your staff. It's Mike Yeo. Mm-hmm. It's just a very weird uh, dynamic that I don't get. Yeah, I don't get it at all.
1: For a team that's had a great core and has been good for a long time, they have made some moves that are pretty head-scratching yes. along the way. And that that is one of them. I mean, Brower was good for them last year, but you only had him on a one-year deal, and now he plays for Calgary. Yeah, It's like, okay, well, you lost that trade kind of by default because also Oshie has been a— I'll spend a lot of time with Alex Ovechkin. Finally, there's another winger who can help out uh, Backstrom and Ovechkin and make them more dangerous. And that's the thing is like facing that team, just coming in waves with
0: their offense over seven. They're, fun, series, they're fun to watch. Yeah, that would, be, I
1: think it would be they're a lot of fun to it'd watch. be
0: a tough matchup. That Penguins game was absolutely outstanding. More
1: seven to six games. NHL please please more seven to six games well we've been blessed with some fun wild games this year lots of leads being changed
0: and turned over which makes people upset quickly coaches but not us we found out boudreaux loves our show and we found out because shortly last week after we suggested that zach parisi be demoted to the third line guess what happened he was put on the third line hey bruce so yeah thanks bruce um I think it's a big deal. Do you? I do think it's a big deal, yes.
1: But I also think that we were talking about how you handle that. Yep. And they gave Parisi a lot of time to get his game back together, and he didn't. Yeah. And now it's time to have him as a third liner. And you might have to, if you're Boudreaux, just say, look, if you want to do everything that you can do to win with this team, you have to play third line wing, and that's the end of the story. And if you don't like it, too bad.
0: And he did it, though. Right. That's what impressed me. Yeah. I thought it would take months, and I thought it would be a political, you know, okay, we'll do this or that. I was impressed. He, he just said, bah. yeah, third line. Mike Yo on his greatest day wouldn't have ever done that because Prezi would have gone right upstairs and said, I'm not a third line wing. But it's a, it's a smart move. The only thing that concerns you, and it should, is he's in year five of a thirteen-year contract, and there is a there's a fighting chance that he is a third-line wing, and this might not be short-term. Yeah, that's what scares you. No,
1: I I right? I, I think you're right, and there's not
0: I, so much you can do about it. I that. think at some point,
1: probably the end of the season, you're saying, "All right, well, what what are we going to do for buyout, or what are we going to do for?"
0: I mean, trade is impossible. Like, how There's how no can trade we? trade, and you're not going to buy. I don't think. I I think if you're going to buy out a contract, it's probably Palmenville. Yeah, Palmenville. I mean, Palmenville's just done. Now I have to investigate what the buyouts are for these things. Uh, but that
1: I mean, yeah. at this point though, Zach Parisi on the third line is a helpful player. There, yeah. you, well, All you're looking for if you're Bruce Boudreau is where can we be better than the other team, and if you're better on the third line versus the other team's third line, you're winning just as much as you are first line versus first line. I mean, it's really just a math equation, right? Right. I mean, if your third line plays 14 minutes a night and your first line plays 16 minutes a night or 17, in today's hockey you got three lines going all the time. So if you're winning just your 15 minutes a night, it doesn't matter whether you're on the first, second, or third line. You just need to win those 15 minutes with, with each line. You need to be
0: better than the other team's first line for 15 minutes or th- third line. So, so on that third line, it's Pominville, Parisi, and Hala. Uh... Yeah. So with so with him there, you told me before previous, previously that Pominville on that line benefited from Eric's speed. When you put Hala in between those two guys. Does that still work, or do you get to a point now where his speed is actually somewhat negated by the fact that he's got two guys on, on his wings who are not super fast?
1: I'm going to say not really, because both of them are still skill players. I think what we've seen from Pominville over this stretch is that there's still something there. He's He maybe got over his skis, as you guys say sometimes. That's more macro. Uh Yeah, well... Uh, then I'll steal that with that uh, pass the other night yep. that turns into the game winning goal, yep. though the goalie probably should shut that down anyway. Yes, he should have stopped that. Um, but, like, Pominville has shown you, he had a great pass to set up a goal the other night against Arizona or Anaheim or whatever. The games run together a little bit, but he had a nice drop pass that set up a goal. Um, I mean, he still scored two against the Ducks right. on.
0: That, that, on the, the yeah, game that when, by yeah,
1: Whatever, he also had an assist at some on point. On Hockey too. Day in Minnesota. Yes. Holler, come on. Either way, okay, so I'm mixing up when these plays happen. Yep. But the point just being that both of these guys still are skill players. And I think the key to Boudreaux's offense mm-hmm. is get it out of the zone quick, up to the forward, Trends. who is escaping the zone quickly, and then have them make plays from there. And both of those guys could still make plays and set up Howell's speed. So I think that that right there is probably the best line combination they can have for a third line, and how many third lines in the league can match up with a that level of skill even though it's diminished from what it once was but, I mean you've gone from basically guys who were eight or nines on the skill scale to now sixes right well that's still pretty good, so you drop down from there and how was probably a four or five if you were doing like one to ten um so you've got a skilled line there on the third line. How many other teams have that level of skill on their third lines? Not that many. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're hoping for, especially look at the teams that they could match up in the playoffs. Chicago doesn't even have a, th- they I, they move Hosa down to the they're third good. line the other day I'm just con-
0: to try and salvage. it. I'm convinced they're going to make a trade to get somebody. Oh, they always do. Cause they do. Yeah. I'm convinced that I'm convinced Bowman will make some t- type of trade. Um, oh, and lastly, your guy Chris Stewart just continues to score goals. <laughs> You've been ripping Chris Stort on this podcast since we started the damn thing, and all Chris Stort does is continue to get in fights, and defend Koivu and Parisi, and then score goals.
1: Nobody is going to shoot twenty five percent forever, so he will drift off a He's little quick, bit. Like with the, moves, the whole that was an incredible goal. He's got some on the breakaway. That's the damnedest thing is he has some really nice moves. He, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like. I don't know who's the guy from the Packers, Devontae Adams, their wide receiver, yeah. who is bad a lot of times, doesn't get great separation, drops easy
0: passes. But he will make these incredible catches. He
1: does. Then he'll just yeah. like really take take you down at some point and making an amazing catches or whatever. So there are a lot of players in sports that are like that. It's your two hundred hitter who hits thirty home runs. Yeah. That's what Chris Stewart is doesn't mean you can't have them it just means you can't rely on them so i think you need another center there that you can rely on that you can play with but he yeah i i know what you mean though he's come on and there was uh, i saw in the paper they were quoted somebody was quoted as saying you you don't even know Koi the Bu- value of this guy did, yeah. Yeah. you don't yeah
0: you yeah. don't understand you and your statistics yeah. and measurements you don't understand what Chris Stewart does for this team
1: yeah no I think I what I understand is exactly what type of player he is and they can be valuable on a team it's just he's not going to drive play he's going to make one big play in a game and probably be bad the rest of the time and that's just the reality of who he is as a player and he's probably I don't know maybe he's a good locker room guy I have no idea or maybe teammates like him because he steps up I will say Lawson Kraus bad choice Skate
0: away from Chris Stewart. Oh yeah. Well don't don't mug Koivu first. Yes. Bad that was choice. His, that was his first mistake was trying to mug Koivu because then Stewart said, Let's fight. And that was ugly to say the least. Yeah. Nineteen year old kids aren't going to do very well against Chris Stewart.
1: And not even Cross isn't even really a fighter either. And Stewart that was is... pretty
0: clear as he was getting his clock cleaned. <laughs> Although you know what drives me crazy? What drives me absolutely up the bleeping wall is this fights in today's league where they all wear visors like you're hitting half the time you're hitting a visor what what sense does that make i mean you literally have guys punching each other in the visor and and they can't take the they can't take it off or else it's a penalty so you basically have to try and punch the guy enough so that the helmet pops off his head so then i might have a chance to hit you in the head yeah i mean i have no
1: use for fighting myself, anymore. I, I, It can go. Bujo likes it. Sparks
0: you, his team. Yeah. Bujo likes Every it.
1: Every coach says that because they, the club. they know that the guy is sacrificing for his teammates. Every teammate loves it. But, you know, they got in a fight the other night, and then the other team scored right away. So, like, I mean. Oh, yeah. There, it doesn't always there, work. There is, it's been proven that it goes both ways. Each team thinks that they got the momentum. But I'm just saying, if you're fighting,
0: if you're fighting with, I agree with a you. helmet and visor on, you are going to break your hand. And you're not going to do a damn thing to the guy that you're trying to punch unless you can get his helmet off, and that's almost impossible
1: now. Right. I would rather see Chris Stewart just hit that guy in open ice at some point rather than taking himself off the ice.
0: Just lay him out. Whatever. All right.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Judd. I enjoyed this. And thank you all for listening to Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure.